Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, uh, welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, um, and our second episode which we are going to be of the week, which we are going to be talking about Queers Folk. But before we get into that, um, it's very important um, that we also focus on what is going on in the world right now, on the protests, um, and doing what we can using our voice for change. Um, and um, the statement I'm about to read, I want to give credit where credit is due. We believe in every word of the statement, but I want to give credit where it's due. Um, this is a statement created by uh, the Women of Color Podcasters, which is a community helping women of color amplify their voices, connect, share resources, collaborate, and geek out about all things podcasting. Um, and they have started Podcasters for Justice, um, which is take a stand and get involved in the Podcasters for Justice campaign, which we are doing. Um, and so you will... Uh, notice that we will be sharing um, a lot of uh, petitions. We already have, but we're going to be sharing more on our pages. Um, we're trying to be better about the Instagram part. I know I'm not as good about that part because I'm just not very good at Instagram, I'll be honest. Um, and then also places where you can donate money. One thing with the donating money is please be sure that um, if you if you hear stuff that says that you know a certain fund, like I, I I know there's one in Minnesota that just that was asking people to stop sending the money because you know which is this is a great thing they were getting overwhelmed with money and they wanted to make sure other places got money as well so that's the big thing I'm I'm going to try and be good about that but um, I just want to put that out there too um, and here's one first simple petition that you can sign if you text Floyd F L O Y D to five five one five six you can sign a petition to demand justice for George Floyd who was murdered by the police. Um, and then you can also sign up at color of change to be notified of more opportunities to take action. And like I said, we're going to keep linking, um, we'll link to something in the show notes that gives just, I'm sure you've seen it go around, but I think it's a great, uh, resource to sort of see areas where you can help because we have to do something. We can't just post black boxes or whatever and, you know, and say black lives matter. We have to mean that, you know, we can't just say it, we have to mean it. So we have to take action. Um, and so this following statement um, is one we believe in, one we are going to follow. We are going to do everything we can um, to be that change, to make that change. So we are a podcast united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many, many others at the hands of police. This is a continuation of the systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to standing against racism in all its forms. We believe that to be silent is to be complicit. We believe that Black lives matter. We believe that Black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witnesses to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return week after week to hear our voices, and we will use our voices to speak against anti-blackness and police brutality, and we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. Action. Black Lives Matter. Okay, And once again, once again, like I said before our Will and Grace podcast, this goes to my fellow white people out there. 
Okay. We need to be better. We need to do more. I'm talking to myself here too, not just everyone else. I'm talking to myself too. You know, I could do better. We could all do better. We need to call out racism whenever we see it. We need to call it microaggressions, all of that. We need to do that. It doesn't matter who the person is. Okay. We can't be polite. Like I said before, no more of that. That's not, it's not time for that. We need to use our privilege to make a difference. Okay. So make sure that when you see those, you call them out, you say something. Okay. And I realize that some people will not listen to you, but maybe some people will. And it's not about that. It's a, and it's not just about that. You know, it's about using that privilege and speaking up and calling that out so that it's not on everybody else to do that. So it's not on black people to do that so that we can be those allies that we claim to be. And that's, that's how, that's one of the ways we do it. That's one of the ways we also need to educate ourselves more. We need to read. We need to research, look, and do not ask black people to do this for us. Okay. We can't because that's free labor. It's not fair. We do not need to be doing that anymore. They do not to be taking that on. Okay. That's on us. Okay. I mean, it's very easy to Google right now. And right now it takes about two seconds to find the information you're looking for. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's what we need to do. And that's what this podcast is going to do. Okay. We are using this month to focus on pride. We are, um, and I think, and on top of that, we're going to be focusing on this because this is important too. Um, yeah. So like I said, we uh, believe that black lives are more important than property. We believe that black lives matter. And we believe that to be silent is to be complicit. Okay. okay. So now we're going to get back to our main topic which is the show Queer as Folk. And this is continuing our celebration of pride. But we're still going to keep talking about this. We're still going to have these conversations because we need to. Okay. And once again, like I said, there's going to be links in the show notes. So um, please follow those links. Please sign as many petitions as you can. Please donate. Uh, please use your voice. Um, please, please, please just be part of the change. Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So let's get into this week's episode. We're continuing our celebration of Pride Month with Queer Spoke, <laughs> which, as I've said, is my absolute all-time favorite show. But as I've also said, I do have some critiques of it. So we will, <laughs> we will be getting into those. And I, I maybe some of my panel has critiques as well. So, And I'm also very excited because we have on a new panelist who I have known since I was five years old. So basically my whole life. Mm-hmm. And she's on with her wife. So I'm very excited about that. And her wife, Sarah, has been on here before. And I was in their wedding. I was one of Joyce's bridesmaids. So I'm very excited to have both of them on here. Um, so before we get into all things Queer as Folk, we're going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that you're excited about right now. We'll start with you, Danelle. Hi. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to be here today. And um, thank you for saying what you said, Aaron. Um, Black Lives Matters. And um, I'm going to keep saying it to you and shouting it from the rooftop. Black Lives Matter. Um, 
with that being said, um, what am I liking about pop culture right now? Um, well, I just finished rewatching Queer as Folk, um, and I've also been watching Dead to Me, which has been a lot uh, of yes. um, very interesting show. So um, I'm kind of loving that right now. So I'll put that recommendation out there for anybody who hasn't caught that yet. Yeah, that's a great show. I I didn't like the second season as much as the first, but I still think it's I think the two of them are so amazing. Have and I don't know if anybody else has on the panels watched that, but that's a really good show. Yeah. And then Joyce, first time guest, Joyce, if you want to introduce yourself. Yes, thank you for having me, Erin. I'm really excited to be here. I think your podcast is amazing. Aww, I think you. it's incredible that you're doing this. So <laughs> Um, thank you for using your platform to speak. That's really important. Um, what is my thing that I really like right now? There are so many things that I'm crazy about as far as like podcasts and it's hard to pick one. Um, I think right now I'm really liking a podcast called Good Dog, <laughs> which gives you... Okay dog training tips and they have like dog experts on there um which is it's i just really, um and they on that podcast they list they recommended a book called the dog listener which is um based on this woman who studied wolves and their behavior and then kind of translated it into training your dog so it's been really effective and huh. I've, I've enjoyed it a lot so that's kind of what I'm into right now. Oh, yeah, I should listen to that one. So I'll have to add it to my list of podcasts. So yeah, awesome. And then Sarah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on here again. These are so much fun. And I'm really excited to, to do Pride season with you, especially since Denver Pride has been moved to a virtual platform. And mm -hmm. I'm so used to rallying the troops to lead the Pride Parade every year. So it'll be nice to actually see the bride parade instead of be in it. So yeah. things, but uh, yeah, thank you for saying what you said about black lives matters. Um, I think it's definitely our responsibility as a white person to leverage our privilege as much as possible to ensure that we are advocating for people in the most proficient and profound ways possible. So it starts with being bearing witness and it starts by using our voice. So thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, one of my, 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 my uh, interest has shifted from since the last podcast I've done with you. <laughs> uh, I am almost done watching Vikings. <laughs> oh, nice. Love that show. It's uh, I love the history and the weird little twists that they've added to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a friend who's very is an archaeologist by education and background, and she's super into all this dorky stuff. But she reminds me that it's very Hollywood, which I'm fine with, <laughs> but fun to watch. Yeah, uh, and it's nice knowing that even like some of the things that I watch, a lot of the things that my our daughter reads, she's also interested in the same topics. So it's kind of neat to connect with her and in that way and I just realized that recently so I'm excited to actually talk to her about it cool awesome yeah that's one I haven't checked out but I know a few people that really love that one so yeah yeah 
And this is Erin, and the thing I'm into is there's a documentary called, um, and I'm just making sure I'm getting it correctly, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, <laughs> and it's really good. It's, it's all about actor Mark Patton, who starred in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is known as being the gayest horror film ever made is what a lot of people say um because there's a lot of homoerotic subtext although really it's pretty much blatant it's not even necessarily even subtext um but this documentary is a lot about what happened to him when he made that movie and how it kind of almost ruined his life it changed his career um you know it's a very successful film which i think people forget about even though people kind of hate the film but it was really successful and he wasn't out yet and the film outed him in a way. So it's, and the people didn't, the people that were behind the scenes writing it, making it, they never, it took him forever to come, especially the guy who wrote it. He would not admit that the film, what the film was really about, you know, a man coming out basically and struggling with his sexuality is really what the film is about, but he never, ever would admit it. So it always put Mark Patton on this, you know, he always had to take the brunt of the questions. Um, there was even criticism, of course, because um, this was in the 80s. So it was, it's just a very interesting documentary that I highly recommend um, because he kind of went into hiding for years. And he moved to Mexico and where, where he lives with his partner. I don't know if they're married or not. I can't remember. But it's just it's just a really fascinating one, and you can rent it. Um, I rented it on Amazon Prime. I think you can rent it on other streaming devices, uh, streaming services as well. But I recommend that one. Also, if you're a fan of horror and the Nightmare on Elm Street series, I also recommend it for that reason too. So it's really interesting. Okay, so let's get into Queer as Folk. Um, and. So this would be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this conversation just to let everybody know. This is one of the ones I've been looking forward to the most. Um, so what we're going to start out with is just sort of, if you can just tell me a few of your favorite episodes or seasons that you have. Danelle, I'll start with you. Oh, wow. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know if there's a particular season that I love more than others, because I think there's something I really liked about every season. One thing I truly love about this show is that I felt like it was very consistent throughout the entire um, series. Like for me, it just felt like it was pretty consistent. Um, so as far as favorite episodes go, I would say, um, you know, the pilot was really fun just because I'd never seen anything like it. You know, it was so in your face and like, whoa. <laughs> um, and then also I think the, the Babylon, uh, bombing was a huge one, um, that sticks to mind. Um, the, the trip to Toronto, and, you know, talking about the wedding and um, Michael and Ben's wedding. And um, I think those were big ones for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, those are good ones. And Joyce, do you have some favorite episodes or seasons? Um, well, I watched this religiously with you, Erin. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was such a joy and such a different experience to like binge watch it because it's mm -hmm. such like softcore gay porn and it's like <laughs> can you watch of that totally. in one stretch you know and so 
we tried to get through all of the episodes, but we didn't quite make it. So I feel like I'm not making a completely informed response to this question because <laughs> even though I've watched the whole series, it's been a long time since I have. But I just really generally like the theme of um, Brian's relationship with Justin. And so anytime that relationship like evolves in a in an episode and like their relationship is um they go a little more in depth with it and I I don't know I just we'll probably talk about that a little bit more but yeah those episodes I really like because I feel like those characters really honor who the other one is and yeah. that kind of was one of the things that made me continue watching the show so I can't say a particular episode but any of them that have that theme. I <laughs> yeah. And Sarah, do you have any favorite episodes? Uh, you know, just reflecting on watching what I did with Joyce and some, some of it I watched when it first came out and I'd go to the gay club down in Salt Lake City with my friend Peter and we'd go watch Queer as Folk and have a beer or a burger or whatever at the bar. <laughs> it was fun, but... I think the pilot episode, because for me, it's very nostalgic. It reminds me of like these fun times when I was a late teenager and things were kind of evolving for me as a open lesbian in Salt Lake City, Utah. It was, it was kind of like a coming of age story. It was very in your face with, so I didn't have to be in your face about it. <laughs> so I was kind of doing it on my behalf. And just even watching it seemed like a sense of uh, an act of rebellion, especially in a Mormon community. So it was, it was for me, it's nostalgic, but also very empowering. And it's, it just brings back so many memories of going to the clubs with all my friends and <laughs> evolving with my, my gay boyfriends and, and what they, they were, how they evolved and, and, how this show actually influenced them in so many different ways and like I could see my gay friends and all these different characters from junior high and high school like oh that's so and so that's so and so I remember, <laughs> I remember the shirts and the clothes and like mm -hmm. how everybody engaged with each other I was like this is ridiculous but that's how it was and mm -hmm. so I think it just kind of gave um, a lot of gay men permission to explore their whole entire sexuality in a new way and that's what i like about the pilot episode it's just in like mm -hmm. like i said earlier it's in your face it's like i'm here i'm queer i'm <laughs> not going anywhere so yeah 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 and yeah the pilot episode is is really good i think it's one of the best pilot episodes of any show um and for me, since it's my all-time favorite show, I have, like, hundreds of different, I mean, ones I could mention. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to mention all of them. Um, I will mention um, the prom episode, uh, the, oh, yes, the season finale. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was beautiful and then absolutely tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, it was so good. Um, and then I really love uh, Pride from season two. I really love the Pride episode. I thought that was really well done. Um, and I liked every character's sort of involvement in that and the, and what they were struggling with and and Michael finally walking with his mom and everything and um, and just and Emmett 
um, dealing with grief. And it was just, it was just such a great, I just really love that episode. And then uh, for my favorite season, season four for me is my favorite season. I think there was a lot of maturity in that season. Um, I, and they tackled a lot of stuff. It was a sad season, of course, because um, Vic died in that season. Mm-hmm. But I, I just really, really, really liked that one. And I liked it ending with the um, bike ride and yeah. um, with yeah. Michael and Ben getting married. Because, and I've said this on a on our shipping episode, but they're my second favorite couple on the show. So that was, <laughs> so I really loved seeing that. So yeah, yeah. So there's just so many you can mention, of course. Um, but let's get into the actual characters, and we're just going to talk about them apart from their relationships, apart from their romantic relationships um, or sexual relationships, that, you know, since there were a lot of one-night stands, <laughs> as you said. Very much shipping going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into them, and let's start with Michael. Um, and before we start with that, I want to just say really quickly, I remember when Joyce and I watched this, I remember one time, and I don't know if you remember this, Joyce, but you said to me, you said, so which one of these guys do you relate to the most? Which one do you relate to? <laughs> and I I wish I could, I think we both said Michael, but I know I said Michael. And we both said we wish we were like Justin, but we both said <laughs> on Michael? Oh, I, I love Michael. He's, he's one of my favorite characters. I think his um, kindness and generosity and just kind of a sweet person. Although it's interesting, throughout the seasons, you see him kind of have these really, well, frankly, bitchy moments. Like, he can be really <laughs> kind of mean sometimes. And I that's one of the things I love about the way they develop the characters, the writers, um, and the actors um, who brought them to life, because they're all flawed they're all so human you know there's not there's nothing perfect about any of the characters and that's why I think I love them all so much I mean uh but Michael there's just his kind of like holding on to that innocence a little bit had that that kind of boyish charm that he has and he reminds me a lot of my best friend so a shout out to to Jeff I love you bud um but yeah he reminds me a lot of my bestie Jeff and and um you know, that's who he related to the most. When we had this conversation the other night, actually, when I told him that I was rewatching and going to be doing the podcast. So, um, yeah, definitely um, just his sweetness and, and who he is as a person. Wanting to always be there for others. Um, it's funny because I had forgotten that he, like, narrates the show. And I was like, this is so funny because it's like the Wonder Years, but, like, gay porn. <laughs> Appeal. 
Um, and I was surprised at how differently I related to him now, as opposed to, I don't know, when we were watching it, gosh, however long ago it's been, 15 years? I'm not going to age myself. <laughs> I'm like, two years ago. That's funny. <laughs> I, mean, I always think of Wonder Years and Queers Mind. Someone needs to make a video combining this. I'm, I'm putting that out there. Somebody do that, please. <laughs> He's like the totally grown-up version of, yeah, like totally. That's so funny. Um, and Sarah, your thoughts on Michael? Ah, uh, you know, every time I speak, he's annoying. <laughs> He's annoying. He's like this whiny little baby gay boy who has like the perfect mom that every gay person ever fucking wants. That's true. And he just whines and complains about it. He like, he's in the closet excessively. He's not honoring who he is. And then he wanders around in this 12 year old boy fantasy wearing bugle boy jeans and <laughs> these horrible baseball t shirts. Like, you're a grown man. Act like a grown man. Like, and, and the thing is, like, I understand and appreciate the dynamics of him um, honoring his past and enjoying the, the things that brought him joy of comic books or robots or things like that i have many friends that like are collectors of things like that and i think it's sweet and endearing but it takes it to an ex excess level with his character and i mean it takes him like seasons to be able to get out of his cartoonish bedroom set and be a grown man you know and i i don't know if it's the dynamic about some of the gay men out there, especially when they come out of the closet, that they are this, these little twinks that just want to have a daddy to make them feel like a man or feel appreciated. And so I, I, that might be a stigma or stereotype that I'm playing on, but that I think that show really portrayed him in that dynamic too intensely. Interesting. And, and no, it's interesting hearing that because I always hear everybody loves Michael. And so it's interesting to hear the different things. Cause I, you know, like I said, when Joyce asked me that question years ago and I said, I related to Michael. Um, I think a lot of that is, is Michael to me is the most, and I think it's a lot of what you guys are saying. He's the most insecure character on the show. I think he's even yeah. more insecure than Ted and Ted is very insecure, but I think he's even more <laughs> insecure than Ted. <laughs> so, and, and I think a lot of that is, and I've said this before on the show where there's a character that has any kind of daddy issues. Cause he does have dad issues because he never knew his dad. Um, and his mom lied about who his dad was, you know? So I think, so any character that has dad issues, I instantly relate to them <laughs> because of my own <laughs> personal stuff. So I know that that's probably part of it. Um, yeah. And, you know, with, with the narration thing, you know, it's interesting because you saw the show shift from being focused on Michael to eventually it ended up being more focused on Brian. And I think that's a lot in response to the audience's response to the show. Um, mm -hmm. And then you noticed he stopped narrating until the s series finale, and then he narrated again, mm -hmm. which made sense. 
Um, yeah. But I think you saw him grow a lot. And as far as with the comic book thing, I'm going to stick up for that a little bit because especially <laughs> hosting a fandom podcast, um, no, you know, I appreciated that. No, I, appreciate <laughs> so I know, I know, I know, but I'm just going to say, you know, I have like collectible things from supernatural. Um, I have like a really? mini version of the car and stuff like that. But I, but I see what you're saying too. I think part of it was, he was holding on to that youth thing. And I think eventually, <laughs> and I think eventually he did, uh, let go of that. And I think who really helped him with that more than anything was, Number one, Ben, and number two, becoming a dad. And not just a dad when he um, helped Lindsay and Mel, but a dad to Hunter. I think that exactly. really helped yeah. him mature a lot. And he finally broke away from that boyhood fantasy. And we'll get into this when we talk about them together. But that boyhood fantasy that he had of being with Brian, because that dominated so much of his life, was Brian. Brian was, you know, everything. Brian was like God to him. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why he held on to that kind of childish personality for so long. Yeah. Where he was happiest, right? When he was that teenager with Brian. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he kind of got stuck there a little bit, yeah. you know, um, because they were so intermeshed. <laughs> so. Yeah. No. To- yeah. I think that's, that's totally, totally true. Yeah. And so we'll just segue then and get into Brian. <laughs> or as I like to call him, sex on legs. So <laughs> that's how I'm going to refer to him. Um, <laughs> so, Danelle, what are your thoughts on Brian? Uh, Brian. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> Gail Harold. I mean, he created such an amazing character with Brian. And, um, you know, Brian is such a, an immensely complex character. Um, you know, the first time I watched it, I didn't see the complexity until I watched it again. Um, and the second time through, you see so many layers to who that person is. Um, you know, and on some levels, it's very predictable. You know, some of his his issues. <laughs> um, but some of them are very nuanced, too. You know, and he surprises you. And I think that's what I... Um, love so much about Brian and Brian truly is my favorite character on the show um, because of the growth that he goes through, you know, from the beginning of the series to the ending of the series and his coming to terms with who he is as a, a man growing older, right? He's not, he's, he's not the, the, the king of the club, so to speak anymore, um, you know, and falling in love with Justin, but then having the strength to know that he has to let go. Um, and it's what's best for both of them at the end. Um, so, yeah, to see that growth, I think, is a, is immense. And you don't see that a lot in a lot of series. Um, and I think it was just beautifully done. Um, so, again, props to the writers and props to Gail Harold for uh, doing such an amazing job with that character. Absolutely one of my favorite characters in TV, actually. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Joyce, your thoughts on Brian? Yeah, I agree. I That's one of the things that I really like about him is how complex he is and how, like, you you can see that he has a good heart and that he's trying to do right by other people, um, but he, it doesn't occur to him to, to do it in a way that's kind, always. Sometimes he tries to do the best thing for other people by hurting them so that they'll move on 
um, which is interesting. And uh, it's, you know, everybody gets mad at him for that. And he's kind of, he's kind of a scapegoat in a way for like doing so much wrong to other people, but you can see that he's, his true intentions are to help them be happy. Even if it means that he has to suffer because of it, or he has to let them go. So I really like that about him. And I think like the situation where um, he has to decide whether to pull the plug when his friend is in a coma says a lot about what his friends think of him. You know, that takes great strength and, you know, nobody would want to be in that position, but he, that says something about his heart that he would be able to show up for another person in that way, even though it would be so hard. And he didn't necessarily deal with it gracefully, but just the fact that, you know, it was known that he was the one that would be able to do it. Yeah. He has the strength about him that, that I respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah? I, re- I really like him. At first, when you start watching the show, you're annoyed by him because he's a total hoe bag. <laughs> Very flippant towards other people but as as you go through the seasons you see that that's the his own depth of his character but um he's definitely the gay boy everybody wants to be and also the one every every gay boy wants to be with um but they also love to hate him and hate to love him um I really like how he keeps his friends really close, but he keeps his emotions even closer. You never really know what he's really feeling. He keeps it so close to him because he knows that he had, I think he really understands his impact of his emotions on other people. So he's highly aware. And I think that shows an immense amount of intelligence on his side um but like joyce said he's he can be very harsh and brutal and i think that's the uh, abrasive nature that is required in order to survive in the gay community especially as a gay man and to honor yourself and not apologize that's one thing i loved about him is do not apologize And that really gives people access to something beyond what society thinks about who they should be. Mm -hmm. And I think that he brings that strength to not only the characters, but to the whole entire gay community in that way. Be unapologetic about who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about Brian is that he comes off as the most selfish character and called that most of the times, but in reality, he's the most selfless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Time after time, he gives up so much for the others. And I think it's not, they slowly start realizing that, you know, and I mean, it's still a running thing throughout the show that he's selfish, but really he's, he's the most selfless out of all of them. And I think that's, what's beautiful about him. Cause he, and again, you're like you said, he doesn't apologize for who he is and he never will. And that's truly what I admired the most about him. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's these moments in the show you're like, he's going to say I love you. And I know it's going <laughs> to happen. It never happens. And you know it's there. And it's like lurking right behind there. Yeah. And he doesn't use that. He doesn't use emotions to manipulate people. His actions always say it. His actions yeah. say something very specific. And if that's not a language the rest of the his family and friends are used to seeing. Well, I think even that is nuanced because I don't think that he necessarily is that way completely out of good nature. I think it's a protective mechanism for him. Yeah. Um, And he's probably, it's vulnerable, you know, and he's not able to do that. He's not able to relate. I mean, that's like kind of the whole story with his relationships his romantic relationships. So even though he like is deliberate about how he emotionally connects with people, I don't think it's like because he's trying to protect them or be no, super no. intelligent about it. I think he's true probably trying to protect himself in some ways. Right. Too. Yeah, I agree with that, but there is an intelligence behind it. Yeah. Either way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think it's interesting that everybody loves him because I actually was wondering if people wouldn't um, on here just because I was recently watching that. um, Oh, you watched it too, Danelle. They had um, Peter Page who plays Ted. He did a live thing, raising money for a lot of these organizations. I can't remember the names of the organizations now, but he had a lot of the actors except for Gail Harold wasn't on there. And um, Taya Gill, is that her name who plays Lindsay? Um, they, they weren't on, but they had most of the cast on and a lot of, you know, recurring people were on there too. And the writers and the writers said that when they first, you know, they encountered, of course, a lot of homophobia when they made this, but they also encountered, uh, you know, two main questions. Number one was who on, who in the cast is really gay in real life would be one of the biggest questions they would be asked. And the second was they would tell them how much they hated Brian. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And, and, you know, I can see it in a way because I think people think Brian is a narcissist, but I think he's the furthest, he's not a narcissist. That's, that's something that he wears as a shield to protect himself because he has such a fear of rejection. Like you were saying, Joyce, a lot of it is just to protect himself. He's so afraid of rejection. He's so afraid of getting old because then he's afraid he will lose the one thing that he feels makes him valuable in the world. Um, And that's, you know, his looks, his youth, his sexuality, um, his body. You know, he's so worried about losing that. And so that's why it was so interesting watching him in the cancer storyline when he got cancer. Because you watched him push people away and not wanting to tell people that and not wanting to be vulnerable and still going to work. And so it was great when you saw that moment with Ted, you know, and he's telling Ted that he has cancer. It's also kind of funny because he's like, it's the big C and Ted's like, caffeine? (laughs) (laughs) But watching him be like, okay, you take over and actually, you know, seceding some control, giving up control to somebody, especially... Ted, who I think he has the least amount of connection with of all the characters, you know? Interesting, though. Although he does a lot. He always dogs on Ted, right? Like, that's a running joke that he's always dogging on Ted, but whenever Ted is down, who's going to pick him up? It's always Brian. Like when he was arrested. Trust to handle his business. Mm. Ted. You know what I mean? Like, and that's huge. Brian's all about the money. 
So you know if he didn't care about Ted and didn't trust Ted and have faith in Ted, he would have never let him near his business. But that's who he put his trust in. So again, I think it goes back to what we were saying about you know the core of who Brian really is. He really truly loves and cares for his friends. He's just not going to ever advertise it, so to speak. His actions are going to speak for him. You know, oh, you yeah. say advertise it when he's an advertiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's a lot of the reason he values money so much, and that's a lot of the reason he is in advertising. I think is because it's a way to. Uh, it goes back to distancing yourself from people and, you know, kind of shuttering yourself off and having that money is another protection thing. And it's also another big F you to straight society. I think that's another, it's a big F you look at how success. And also the many times that he takes on a client that is homophobic. And then, you know, there's so many times when he does that, like with Mm -hmm. the Stockwell thing. Also, there was one right around the Pride episode, that guy who had some horrible wine coolers that he made. And then he ended up turning it and he's like, nope, this is this is your crowd that's going to buy this. Um, And so watching him do that of just basically saying, yeah, I'm just going to stick it to these people because this is how I can do it. And why not just kind of use their hatred and, you know, against this. Mm Um, and then also make money at the same time and be successful. So, yeah, so he's just, he's, I mean, I love the character. I, I always loved the character. I found him the most interesting. He was so fascinating to watch, watching him grow, watching him let down his guard some. And we'll get into this with Justin, because I think that's where you really start to see it. Uh, and then also watching him with Deb. I can't wait till we talk about them together. Cause I think their relationship is amazing. It's really fascinating and interesting mm-hmm. to watch them together. Um, and Gail Harold, I just want to say about his performance is, you know, Brian can come off as cold, callous, um, but there's always this vulnerability there and you see it in the eyes and that's all because of Gail Harold. There'll be, you know, moments where you see people telling Brian who he is and this is who he said he is on the outside and you can see this hurt in his eyes, almost Mm -hmm. like that's not who I really am. And I wish people would see who I really am. And it's it's very interesting. So I just want to throw that out there because I think when an actor can perform with their eyes, where you see the character in the eyes, that's really amazing. So, yeah. And it's a very fearless performance. It's a very, very fearless performance because he has to be just all out, you know, completely. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's a really, really fearless performance. And then I think the other fear, really fearless performance is um, Justin, a.k.a. Sunshine. So <laughs> the guy that, like I said to Joyce, I wish I was more like Justin. <laughs> I think Justin is so brave. But um, so let's get into Justin. Danelle, what are your thoughts on Justin? Oh, yeah. Um, he's such a fun character. Um, such a, such a treat. Um, and I actually got to meet Randy, uh, Harrelson once at, um, a voting event. I think it was an HRC voting event actually, um, at JR's in Denver years ago. And, um, he was an absolute delight, such a sweetheart. Um, so, but anyway, Justin is such a fun character and I, I love his fearlessness. I mean, you know, here he is, this young kid, um, kind of coming out into the world, right. Into um, the gay community and he just like goes for it he sees this Brian he wants him and he's not stopping him 
And Brian is so harsh to him at first. I mean, if somebody talked to me that way, I'd be running like a hundred miles away. Like, oh my gosh, this person hates me. Um, but he just keeps coming back for more. He sees something there. And to have that kind of tenacity and belief in yourself that you know that that's where you belong and that's what you want and that's what you're going to get and you're not going to settle for anything else. Wow. What a, what a powerful message from a character, you know, to, to kind of say, wow, this person is not going to give up. And, and that's one of the things I love about Justin. So. Yeah. And Joyce, your thoughts on Justin? I think he's so inspiring. Like he had to navigate so much coming out to his parents and trying to have a relationship with Brian and figuring out the gay community and just his character evolved so much. And he, like when he got injured and he recovered and he was, he's just so, I don't know if the right word is tenacious, but he doesn't give up. He just doesn't give up. And yeah, he just has so much heart. I think he's wonderful. And I love his relationship with Deb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, Sarah? Uh, you know, there most of the time I find him quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I I know. I'm I'm like I'm like the bad girl in this situation. No. But like he has like this amazing household where his mom follows him around so concerned about him like again that's another example of a mom that most of us wish we ever had when we came out of the closet that they were concerned they actually wanted to know and understand they they were confused you know but also he he's definitely one of those gay boys that runs blindly into this idea of what he thinks is what it is to be gay and has no awareness of the impact and the um, the potential to be in these dangerous situations where he, and he ends up with her from. Like, being gay definitely requires a sense of awareness, especially when you come out that young. And even in, like, his situation, a very Christian school environment a structured school environment where it's not okay to be gay you know um and i think i'm just i'm mostly speaking from my experience and my lens of going to a mormon call a mormon high school and in school growing up in utah that it was it was scary to be gay and it was there was repercussions and so you had to have a safe community and being flippant and um ignoring the impact that you have on other people or yourself or your family um, when you're just shouting from the rooftops I'm gay you know it's that can be a dangerous place to be in Um, but I do like how um, he brings this he does bring a brightness and energy and genuine dynamic about being excited about life uh, to the show and that I think in some ways that reminds Brian of what it's like to be young and gay and so I think that's one of the reasons why he attaches to him so much it's a reminder of who he 
was, and as long as he can hold on to Justin, he's going to be young. Um, and we can get more into that in, in the relationship dynamics. But I, 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 I think Justin doesn't understand the shoulders of the people that he is standing on and the privilege he has because of the people that came before him. And so I, I think that naivete comes out really strong in his character in the beginning, and I don't think he really understands it until later um, in some capacity. So initially he's annoying, but overall I, I do appreciate his character and, and, and how he interplays with the other ones, but he's not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, th- I think that's very interesting, and I think it's good to get other viewpoints on the characters. You know, not everybody will like everyone. That's why I thought it was so fascinating that we all liked Brian, because I really was not expecting that. Um, so, so no, I think that's great to get another viewpoint on Justin. Um, and I see exactly what what you're saying and some, some of the ways he approaches some things. Some of, some of the ways he talks to his mom and some of them, I'm like, I think part of that is he's a young guy and he's talking to his mom the way a lot of young teenagers and young adults talk to their moms sometimes Mm -hmm. but his mom is so amazing I mean his mom like you said is just so great and wonderful and you know she knows before he even says anything to her she knows that he's gay um, and she wants so badly to connect to him um, and so there is sometimes there is a little bit of selfishness there. Um, and he does get called on it. You know, Brian calls him on it a lot with his mom, I think, especially, especially after he's injured and his mom, you know, asks Brian to take him in. And, uh, you know, Brian's saying, you don't know how lucky you are to have a mother like that, especially compared to Brian's awful, atrocious mom, you know, so it's just, it's, so it is very, so that is a very, very good point about about Justin. Um, what I think is amazing about Justin is watching him from the pilot all the way to the end. Because in the pilot, he's this very scared kid, really. He's just a very scared guy. And then you watch him get this confidence. And at times it might be overconfidence, but he still gr- gains this confidence and the security and he eventually gains security enough to not have to need somebody else there, I think. Because I think a lot of times he was clinging on to other people to help him with that. And mm-hmm. I think he got to a point where he didn't need that. Um, and it's great to watch him as an artist and to watch how many times he falls and gets back up. I mean, not only being bashed, but he also, you know has the struggle with his hand after being bashed and with whether or not he's going to be an artist anymore and his struggle with, you know, being a go-go dancer basically, or being, you know, for a little bit. And then uh, running into the guy in uh, the beginning of season four uh, with the vigilante storyline and finally confronting his attacker um, and just watching him, have all these moments where he kind of falls and then he gets back up and, you know, he's such a romantic too. He's such a romantic. He just really (laughs) wants, you know, he wants that white picket fence and he wants forever and have watching him when he was in the relationship with, how am I forgetting his name, but the violinist, you know, and that, yes, thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, watching that where that was his ideal of what he was searching for. And that guy ended up lying to him and cheating on him. Um, you know, and even though Brian slept around a lot, 
you know, he expected that. Brian was upfront about that. That was never something he was hiding. So it was just interesting watching that where he was like having to confront the fact that maybe his romantic ideals weren't really what was going to end up happening with him. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, and I think Randy, I think his performance is so amazing. I think you watch him grow as an actor, the same as you're watching this character grow. You watch him stretch and, and, um, take on more. And I know he has said personally, his favorite storyline doing was the prom. That was his favorite storyline. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, he's, he's, I, I love him and I think he's a very interesting character to watch. And I think, sunshine fits him i think that nickname mm-hmm. fit in perfectly so yeah so let's get into um one of my other favorite characters emmett so what are your what are your thoughts on emmett do you know? <laughs> oh, emmett is so fun um he is just like that ball of energy that you just went around he's like a he is like another little sunshine right like he's always got something positive or something going um energy wise and i think that's what i love about him um, my only disappointment, I think he's, he doesn't grow and change as much, I think, as some of the other characters. I don't see that arc with him as much. And you guys might see something different, so I'll be interested to hear what you guys say. Um, I didn't feel that with him when I rewatched the show as much. I mean, I see some change in some of his relationships, but he's still very much Emmett, you know? Like, he's still the same kind of that bubbly high energy effeminate character um and he's a little bit of a stereotype um and i i think you know he represents a a section of of that of the community right that um sometimes gets a little poked fun at um i'm just gonna say it because i i have friends who've done that in the gay community who've made fun of that character type of character um but i i love him i think he's always um there to help his friends he's always been an, an ear you know for ted um his relationship with teddy um and michael and of course um he's there for deb you know when she needs somebody there um which deb is a great character too and i hope we get to talk about her a little yeah, bit she definitely will <laughs> but yeah M's interesting my favorite i think my favorite storyline with M is his relationship with drew i think that's when we would get to see more about Emmett and not just kind of a, a slight, like a characterization, if you will. I think we get to see more growth from him in that section, in that season um, or that arc of the story. Him and Drew is, is that's a, that's a interesting storyline for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. And your thoughts on Emmett, Joyce? I just think he has such a kind heart and he genuinely is, willing to put other people's ahead of his own and some people do that and and it costs them something but for him it doesn't seem like it costs him anything it seems like he genuinely wants other people to be happy and it's uncomplicated with him like some of the other characters they're trying to do the best thing for other people but they the way they do it is complicated and and sometimes harmful and Emmett just like he rolls with things and he doesn't do it as a sacrifice he's just like yeah okay three of us can live in this little apartment it's fine (laughs) (laughs) and he just like adjusts and he's Mm -hmm. he's so willing to do that and I I admire that about him 
Mm-hmm. And you, Sarah? Honestly, when I think about Emmett, he's probably my favorite character above Brian. Um, I think what I like about him, and I, I, this is definitely opposite of you, um, is that I love his consistency. I, I love that he's, he is willing to show up and he's willing to be genuine and just be himself. And like when he's feeling shitty, he's feeling shitty and he's okay with being there and <laughs> he's happy. He's happy and he's okay with being there. And like, he is, he is, he is the center, the centered person in that whole show that really puts an anchor and a backbone for the rest of the characters. He shows up for Ted in profound ways. He shows up even for Brian, like let's go over and talk to Brian so he can give a shit. So that way it'll make him feel better. Like he understands the complexity of all the people around him and he just shows up for them. And um, like he's, he's unapologetic for who he is. And Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, it's almost like Brian, but take it down like 12 notches. <laughs> he doesn't have to be exuberant about his sexuality. He doesn't have to be exuberant about that. He's just, he just is. Mm-hmm. And he's comfortable in his own skin. And I love that about him. And yeah. if I could be friends with Emmett, I would in a heartbeat. Like, he is <laughs> so too. fabulous. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I want to have drinks with him. And yes. dance with him. Yes. <laughs> He's the gay boyfriend you wish everybody had. Like, right. he's fabulous. He's, he's, but he's unimposing and he's, he's just genuine. He's okay with being who he is. And that's what I love about him mm-hmm. the most. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I, I adore Emmett. I absolutely adore Emmett. And I've told, um, and Carla probably won't be listening to this episode because I've been trying to get her to watch Queers Folk for forever. So I'm hoping she's not listening because it's going to spoil everything. But I even told her, I said, if you don't fall in love with Emmett, I will be just absolutely shocked. Because I think he's he's just, like you said, Sarah, yeah, I would love to go dancing with him. Oh, yeah. I would just, he's just so much fun. And he, um, and yeah, he doesn't really change. But I do agree. I think that's what's so great about him. And I know Peter Page, who plays Emmett, has said that. He said he's his character is the only one that doesn't change that much. And he said it's because he's already grown. He's already yeah. he yeah. is. Yeah. He doesn't need to change because he's who he is. And he always is consistently who he is. Um, I think sometimes, you know, he does let, sometimes he lets people take advantage of him. You see that in his relationship with Ted when they were dating. Mm-hmm. Um you would see that at times where he wouldn't put himself first. Um, and, and it was great when he would, what I loved, I loved the scene with him and Brian where they're dancing and Brian tells him, you know, you need to forget about Ted right now. You need to put yourself first yes. and where he dances with him. He said, I thought you'd want to be the center of attention for a moment and yeah. their whole little exchange and how you watched uh, Emmett go from being angry at Brian for pulling him out there to actually letting go and being free and dancing and being mm-hmm. himself again and yeah. being like, yes, I'm going to put myself first here. Right. Um, and, and it was so great to see because I just I, I just I adore Emmett. He's he's the one out of all of them that I would most want to be friends with. I'd most want to have in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just he's so great. And like um, and I brought this up in the Will and Grace episode when we talked about Jack because Jack in Will and Grace is also 
talked about as being a stereotype. Yeah. Um, because he's so flamboyant and so out there. <laughs> but but the line that I love in the pilot from Michael, when Michael is describing Emmett, when he says, but you've got to admit, it takes a lot of courage to be a queen in a room full of commoners. And yeah. I and I and I think that fits. That's such a great line yeah. and it's great for Emmett and it and I used it uh for uh Jack when we were when we did our Will and Grace episode as well because it's true it takes a lot of courage to be so much yourself like that um and you know he grew up in the south and so it's that takes even more courage if you ask me I mean yeah. Yeah. that had to be just incredibly hard to do that um so yeah I just I I always want to give him a hug and <laughs> <laughs> He's just so sweet, and I and I love Peter Page too. He's awesome. He's great. You guys should listen to. There's a podcast called Keep It that's really good, and there's an episode where he's on there. Um, and you guys should listen to that because he's he's really awesome. He's an awesome, awesome guy. <laughs> I'm adding that to my podcast list right now. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Ira Madison is amazing. He's so great. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I recommend that one. Okay, so let's get into my least favorite character. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler. Um, Ted. <laughs> Danelle, what are your thoughts on Ted? Uh, oh, boy. Um, Ted's interesting to me because he's like the most enigmatic of the character, of the crew. He's kind of like all over the place. Like he goes from like being the straight laced, you know, accountant kind of guy to being this pornographer to like he's kind of his arc is really interesting to me um but there is something enduring about him as well I mean I think he's always he's kind of even though he has these wild episodes in his life he's still kind of a a, a constant in all of the in the group you know like you were kind of saying like Emmett um is kind of that sunshiny uh, positive energy, helping everybody because it's the right thing to do, and he doesn't—he does it so effortlessly. Teddy's kind of that rock, I think, to me, to everybody on the show. Like he's just kind of there, you know. Like he's just kind of that. Let's practical and look at this from this angle. Even when he's um, running his website, you know, it's very. This is what we got to do. Point A to point B. So he's, yeah. I, I, I like Teddy, but again, I would hang out with any of these characters. So that's personally, I'd be friends with any of them. I think. They're <laughs> all. Um, but that would be, I think, the most interesting thing for me about Ted is that he's kind of like this really interesting, all over the place, can go f from you know one extreme to the other, sort of, you know. Um, but he's he definitely is there for his friends, and I, you know we see that um, over you know time and time again. So, yeah, interesting character. And Joyce, your thoughts on Ted? Um, he does have redeeming qualities. <laughs> pickup lines oh yeah <laughs> remember that it was like, why is, why is that working for you but it was and yeah I mean I think 
like his storyline some of the things that happen to him are just heart-wrenching just heart-wrenching and so a lot of that is really raw and vulnerable and hard to like some of it was hard for me to watch um and so that part was i think honest you know like that part where he's like in rehab and he's scrubbing the floor and the guy that he used to date i forget his name blake he's like yeah he's like see i'm going on a date and you could just see like how devastating that was for him to just be like at the lowest low point of his life you know and like i don't know i just think like all of us have experienced that feeling where we feel completely alone and like we're scrubbing the floor and life sucks and it's really hard and he had been through so much hard stuff and it was so like in those moments I can connect to him um and I think they really did a lot with his character to tell stories about things that probably do happen in the gay community that aren't talked about the same way I mean that maybe they're talked about in the straight community like you know I mean, I don't think they're talked about enough in the straight community either, but like sexual assault and and mm-hmm. being gang raped, like that probably happens and and how different it is in the gay community where um, you know, if you're in situations where sex is you know, predominant and it's everywhere and and there's no counseling for that and there's no support and it just made me really think about, oh my gosh, how much does this happen? And people have to just deal with it by themselves because there's no conversation about it. Um, so that part was really heart-wrenching. And so like Teddy as a character, I don't super resonate with who he is, um, but because of what they did with the plot line, he really made me think. And Sarah? Yeah, I like that. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know he's he's interesting for me like i feel like he's the gay boy that really wants to try to fit in but he's so awkward and clumsy 90 percent of the time and he just makes all these weird snide remarks that aren't really like he's just he's just really trying really hard to fit in and figure out what kind of a gay man he is and when he's at the bars in Babylon, he's like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he, it really is just he wants to be that, but he thinks he wants to be that. He he's, has no um, sense of identity about who he is other than him being a CPA and just being the straight-laced dude. And I think that's why he anchors so easily with Emmett. Emmett is his constant, his his grounding uh, character and his best friend in such a way where no matter what, he can always go back to Emmett and he has that that to fall back on um, and somebody to support him and push him through and, and see who he really is without having to be super vulnerable. He has, I, I see him as being, having a really difficult time being vulnerable with other people. And I think that's why he got into drugs so, so easily is that he was, 
He just wanted to be vulnerable. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be appreciated and, and fit in. And um, all too often, whether it be in the gay community or straight community, drugs tend to be a way to fit in, um, yeah. especially if you're not a specific stereotype like Brian or uh, even Michael. Uh, Michael is the boy, gay boy next door you know and he doesn't fit that stereotype so i think it's it the complexity of all the characters together show the different dynamics of being a gay man and what that looks like and how how they evolve in coming in the coming out process and how they become who they are as a gay man and also a human being and how they integrate in the world. And I think Ted is the one that's struggling the most with that. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I say he's my least favorite character. It doesn't mean I don't like him. It right. just means I found him to be the least interesting a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is I think, you know, because originally he was going to die in the episode where he overdoses and the very early on his character was going to die. So... It's interesting that they kept him around, and I do think, even though I say that he's my least favorite character, the show would be missing something if he had died. If he hadn't remained on the show, they would be missing something. Um, and watching him, yes, he went through a lot, a lot through the course of the series. Um, and I do think he suffers a lot from low self-esteem, from not knowing where to fit in, from not knowing who he is. Uh, it was interesting in the episode where Emmett and Ted go as Mel and Lindsay's dates to Lindsay's we sister's <laughs> wedding. And, <laughs> and Ted was like, all these straight women are looking at him, wanting him. And everybody's <laughs> like, you would clean up here. So it's just a very interesting moment to see, you know, because he always feels so like down, down, down at the low end of the totem pole. Um, and then also watching that scene where, you know, he lived out his greatest sexual fantasy, which was to be Brian for a night and watching that scene and how awkward that was and how it didn't really go the way he wanted it to go. Um, but I think what's great is when you watch him with Blake, actually, I think that is next to Emmett. That's the most profound relationship in mm -hmm. his life because you see him with a guy who, you know, yeah, in the beginning, he left him for dead, basically, on the floor. <laughs> But he helped him in the end. And he also saw Ted for the beautiful person that he was inside. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the only time that Ted really saw how beautiful he was. So it was great that Ted got that. I really love that Ted was able to get it. That in the end, you know, there was Blake for him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he deserved that. So it was awesome to be able to see after all that struggle that he got that reward. He got his prince in the end. And um, and I think Blake was a really great character and a great guy for him. And I'm glad that he ended up with him. So, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into Mel and Lindsay. And we can talk about them together and then also separately, if you want to. Um, what are your thoughts on them, Danelle? Oh, goodness. Um, I just I love seeing that they we're such a, a great couple together, you know, and such a strong couple um, and so committed to each other, but they went through these struggles, you know, and their struggles were honest and real. Um, and I, I think that was what was interesting. And, um, you know, they were just a normal 
couple, <laughs> you know, just trying to figure things out. They have been together for a long time and, um, you know, seeing them uh, become parents and, and raising their children. And, um, you know, their arc is really fascinating because seeing them come back together for a while, I didn't think they were going to. And that was what was interesting. I was wondering if they were going to keep them separate and just show them as co-parenting as a, you know, a, a broken up couple. And I was rooting for them to get back together um, as I watched the show. And, and I was glad that they did. But um, yeah, I always thought that they were kind of like the kind of idealized um, in some ways, um, you know, but again, one of the things I've loved so much about the show is that they're very flawed too. The characters are not perfect in any way. Um, but that's why they're so relatable is because they are flawed and they're human and they make mistakes and they accept each other's mistakes as well. Um, and I think that's what um, is so great about the maturity of, of Mel and Lindsay's relationship is that they're able to look past the mistakes that they make um, and come back together. So I, I always thought that they were kind of a, a strong couple and a kind of an example of a mature relationship, you know, um, and what it takes to make something work. So. And Joyce, your thoughts on Mel and Lindsay? That's so interesting that you say that because I feel like they are so immature. <laughs> I really do. And it's not to disagree with you. It's just that um, maybe it's because I'm in a lesbian relationship and I feel like the things that they choose to do in their relationship are, are kind of selfish in a lot of times and and not and I I get that in this world of queerest folk where everybody's sleeping with everyone like they're <laughs> they're the epitome of like a stable couple um and so maybe my perception of what a stable couple is is a little higher like a little more <laughs> you know and so um so I felt I in one way, I'm really, really grateful that the show portrays two lesbians in a relationship really trying to make it work. And it's not like, you know, the typical joke of like, what do you bring on your second lesbian date, a suitcase and a moving van? Like they move in together really quick and then they break up really quick is the stereotype of lesbians. And I like being in a long-term lesbian relationship it's really nice to see it portrayed that it's possible. Um, but there's so, I feel like there's so much drama with them and they're such nurturers of everyone. And so that stereotype kind of bothers me too, <laughs> which I know is appealing to people. Like everybody likes that theme of like, everybody comes to the lesbian couple and they mother them and send them on their way. And they're all better, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that kind of irks me about this show is all the young boys talk disrespectfully to their mothers and the lesbian couple is there to nurture and fix everything. And I really think it plays into a stereotype of women can just be there when, when it's convenient, um, to fix the problems and then, you know, then you move on. And so that kind of bothered me, but I also do appreciate that, you know, at least their relationship lasted more than a week. 
Because <laughs> it's hard to find shows where that doesn't happen. Yeah. And Sarah? Oh, um... Their relationship bugs me. <laughs> I, I, and I think it's because their their characters are portraying everybody's idea of what people think lesbians should look like or what lesbians want. And the, yeah, we want to have our own baby. We want to get married and have this picket fence. No, not everybody. Every lesbian wants that that straight fantasy, you know? And so I think that's, it's a discredit to a lot of lesbian couples out there because I, I know a lot of amazing lesbian couples that are, um, long-term, they don't have the picket fence. They don't want to have kids. They're okay with where they're at. They don't need to nurture the gay boys and, or anything like that. But I think it's, and, the sex between the women. Oh my God, it was disappointing. <laughs> We're going to talk about the sex between the men. We need to talk about the sex between the girls. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely directed by a straight man. Totally. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not, it's, one, it's not, that's not how it works. But also, two, I feel like it's just, it's not genuine. It's not like, hey, I really want to connect with you versus like, it's hypersexualizing lesbian experience to match the hypersexualized gay man ex- male experience. And both are true, but not true at the same time. And so I think their relationship is a misrepresentation of the lesbian community. And it, oh, and and it, I, that may be the dynamic that they're trying to go with, of the specific way they're portraying the lesbian community versus the gay male community, where it's hypersexualized. And um, I, I feel like they were just this awkward fit with each other, like they. They weren't honest about who they were with themselves, so that way they could show up better with each other as a part, as a partner, and co-parenting, and really being um, honest and genuine about what they wanted and what was important to them, especially when it came to marriage. You know, and, and initially Mel was like, "It's just a piece of paper," you know, and. For me, as a lesbian woman and being in a lesbian relationship, it's important to identify why certain things are important to you and what that means to you versus like, oh, it's just a piece of paper. No, this is a commitment to each other. And so I think there was a lot of um, conveyed miscommunication between the two of them that I think painted a an unhealthy perspective about the lesbian community was it directed by a straight white or a straight person um i don't know if any were directed by straight white i I know a lot of white gay men directed and wrote most of these it was mainly you know it was a lot of i I was totally making an assumption (laughs) i'm so used to like films are always done by guys and like (laughs) certain films like they usually portray what they want to see versus what is actually real. 
and yeah I would be curious if like the sex scenes were um yeah just like what went into those yeah I feel like I'm a Debbie Downer on this no 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 I think it's I think that's I think it's great that you that you guys said that because I know one of the biggest criticisms of the show is their relationship yeah. Um, and the way they portray anybody else outside of gay men, and even some of the way they portray gay men, it has been criticized. Um, and the big thing I, I, I found with their relationship, and especially with Lindsay, I'm just going to single Lindsay out here because I honestly think Lindsay is bisexual. And I really kind of wish the show had developed that more and developed her more in that. That's, that's mm-hmm. my view. Cause I always thought she was madly in love with Brian. <laughs> I mean, I would watch yeah. the scenes with her yeah, and there absolutely. was this deep mad love for him there that mm-hmm. went beyond friendship. And of course they sort of teetered on exploring that with um, that artist guy that she has an affair with. Mm-hmm. Um but they never really delved into it. It was like they would kind of scratch the surface with things of trying to make it a, a more complex relationship. But I don't think they knew how to handle it because they were so focused, you know, on, on everything else. It was like they were the token lesbians. They were the token lesbians in the story that they felt they had to have. Um, so I do think it's <laughs> and that is the one of the biggest criticisms of the show is how they handled that relationship. Um, and how they handled any portrayal on the show of lesbians was very, you know, and how they talked about lesbians and how they, you know, is, has always been criticized. Yeah. Uh, and other people in the LGBTQ plus community as well, um, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's a critique of a lot of shows that were around then. I know with Will and Grace, that was a big critique there as well. Um, you know, if every everyone was either gay or a lesbian there was nothing in no one else outside if they didn't portray anybody else (laughs) you know it was just that and if they did it was making fun of that you know making fun of them it was like you know and and you i did notice that when i was re-watching queer as folk this time is i noticed it even more um but yeah and and, i mean like i said this is my all-time favorite show but i realize there are lots of issues with it you know um and they, they were criticized a lot by the gay community would come up to the writers a lot and say, how dare you do this to us? You're putting a very bad negative light on us. Um, so, yeah, so they, yeah. And I, and I would hear that, you know, kind of jumping ahead here to the criticisms, but um, I would, I heard that from one of my gay male friends. He said he hated the show because he hated the fact that it was so sexual and that it seemed to make them just be about sex. And he's like, you know, we don't want, the straight world to see us as just being about sex. Right. Uh, so, you know, I know that was a big criticism of this show. So just kind of jumping ahead there, but no, I'm glad I don't, I'm glad that you guys said that. I'm not like, Oh God, well, we don't want to hear. No, I think that's, it's very, you know, it's very profound to hear that and, um, and to hear it from you got from it, people in the community. So that's why I'm glad you guys are on here and that you guys said that. So, Yeah. I, I don't get me wrong when I was younger and lesbian in training <laughs> I totally wanted that fantasy of like I'm gonna get have a long-term relationship and this and this and this and <laughs> what you see in your head what you actually um create for yourself is very different and um I think that's also one of those coming of age experiences of figuring out what kind of relationship you want and what is going to work for mm-hmm. you and not every lesbian couple wants to have kids and, and right. have 
with yeah. kids. But I know that was very common. Like I remember having packs with different friends and like, if we're not married by 35, <laughs> we're going to get married. You're my gay boyfriend. And, like maybe we'll have a kid together. Like the, those types yeah. of things. But yeah, it's not a true representation of the community. Sure. Might have been at that point when the show came out. It seemed pretty real. But and I think we have to too, remember the constraints of a, a television show too. I mean, you only have one couple that's representing the lesbian community. The whole entire lesbian. No pressure. It's diverse. Just like you guys pointed out, it's so diverse. I mean, there's so many different types of people in the in the gay community, in the queer community. You, you can't portray them all in a TV show. Uh, so, yeah, I think Mel and Lynn's are only one tiny little aspect, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Well, let's get into the other relationships, both romantic and platonic. Um, and I'm going to start with just, we're just going to focus on Brian here, and then we'll get into um, Michael and then Ted and Emmett, Michael and Ben and then Ted and Emmett. Um, so let's get into, I have said before in our shipping episode that my all-time favorite c- couple is uh, Brian and Justin. I also think they are a very <laughs> problematic couple uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but let's let's get into Brian and Justin. What are your thoughts on Brian and Justin, Danelle? You know, I had never seen a couple portrayed like that before. <laughs> um, when I first saw um, that show, never really I was young right when the show came out so I never seen a couple that was so like an open relationship right where it's just you can be with whoever you want to be with and they kind of still come back to each other at the end of the night or whatever um and that was fascinating to me how the relationship began with Justin kind of just basically attaching himself and not letting go from the very first night following him to the hospital and you know um, never letting go, I think was really fascinating to me, but there's also an interesting agreement that takes place between them. I mean, I think they have this understanding. I think on some level, Justin knows that Brian loves him, right. Without saying it. And I think that's what keeps him staying there for so long. Um, when he kind of tolerates Brian's childishness, you know, his Peter Pan syndrome, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess is the best way I could say it. Um, but as they, you know, I think um, as they, as time kind of wears on and, and I think they both kind of get tired of that, especially Justin. And I think that's what leads him to seek that relationship um, with the musician. Um, and, you know, kind of, this is what he thought he wanted. And it kind of reminds me of that Elton John song. Um, I want love. I don't know why it, it came to mind. But, like, he wanted that perfect romantic love, so he leaves Brian for this, like, romanticized version of the classical musician who's going to bring him the flowers and candy and the, fan, you know, cheese and wine. And, um, and it's not the fantasy that he wanted in the end, you know? It wasn't who he wanted. Um, he's ready for the rougher stuff, you know? And I think that's why he was willing to go back to Brian, flaws and all, um, because he knew that at the end of the day, that's who was really there for him. That's who was taking care of him. That's who loved him. Um, and uh, that's why I think I, I, their relationship is so universal for so many people. Like when you said it's your favorite, um, you know, uh, it's one of mine too. I think it's just beautiful. I mean, 
it kills me that scene in the prom after the prom scene or after the bashing and he comes home from the hospital and nobody knows that he's been hanging out at the hospital and Michael ends up confronting him about not going to see Justin because he has no idea and he has that scarf on under his shirt oh you know that just yeah that that killed me that was pretty intense um so yeah they're definitely an interesting relationship there and I think um I think it was a way for the gay community to say our relationships are real our relationships are valid you know um I know at that time so many people would say well um and I think it's even mentioned in the show well or I think Lindsay's mother says it well that's not a real marriage honey right when her sister's getting married and Lindsay points out that her and Mel have been together for how many years at that point and her mother's like oh it's not real and it's like wait a minute you know um so I think the intensity of the relationship is a, a way to show yes this is real it's not just sex it's not just you know a, a one-night thing it's this is a committed loving relationship and it's valid and it's real Joyce, your thoughts on Brian and Justin? I, yeah, I ship them. They're so <laughs> um, I just like, I like how their relationship begins. I like how earnest Justin is and um, how he charms Brian when no one else is able to, um, even if that's just by, you know, wearing him down, <laughs> he does it. And I, I don't know. I like their chemistry and I like how um, Brian gives him the space to be who he is and is unapologetic about what the expectations for their relationship are. And even sometimes to his own detriment or Justin's, like it's hard for them to navigate that, but it's less hard than being dishonest. And that you see that when, when Brian tries to have the, have a relationship that isn't necessarily as honest. Um, so I just really respect that honesty and, and the way he lets him be free. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, if he tried to do anything else, it would be, it wouldn't work. I don't think. So, yeah. yeah. And then Sarah disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. she had to go feed the animals. Oh no, that's okay. Well, I'll just I'll jump in then, and we'll go back to her. Okay. Um, so, like I said, it's my absolute favorite all-time couple. Um, I think their chemistry, Randy and Gail's chemistry, is off the charts it's really incredible and what's amazing is i was just watching an interview with gail harold um and he was talking about the very first scene he shot was their sec their first encounter when he brings justin back to his apartment and you know he strips down he pours the water on himself and he's just the, it's the seduction scene um you know and it's very interesting and he said it was just kind of like you just had to just jump in there it was just like all of a sudden i had to just be this sex object just be completely out there and doing something that I've never done uh, but but I just think their, their chemistry is great I love that Justin makes 
Brian more vulnerable. He brings out this vulnerability with him. Uh, you see it in like there in the scene in season three um, after Justin and Ethan break up, and he wants to get Brian back. And he's at his um, advertising firm, and they have that scene in his office where they're not exactly, they're, you know, talking around, they're, they're using other words, and he's, and Brian says to him, and you're never to play violin music in my presence again. And the way he does it, and that look in his eyes, where he, and his voice breaks just a tad, there's so much vulnerability there where he's just saying, you know, you're never to don't hurt me again. Don't do this to me again. And Justin's response of, I promise, you know, it's just, and it's just so beautiful. It was the closest to saying, I love you and I love you too. And I promise I'm not going to hurt you in, in Brian's own way in their own way. Um, and that's what I love about their relationship is that they bring out different sides of each other. I think Brian makes Justin a stronger person in a lot of ways, even though Brian was a total ass to him in the beginning. He was a total, complete dick to him. Um, but he also pushes him in good ways. You know, he, he pushes him to, to stick with his art. He pushes him, you know, to, to be the best, as he says, the best homosexual he possibly can be. Um, and that's and that's what I think is is great about their relationship. And I will say, on a shallow end, I think they are incredibly hot together. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> they're very sexy together. Their chemistry is off the charts. Yes, yes, yeah. it's it's oh, it's it's incredible. Some of their <laughs> their scenes together are just oh, just so great. Um, you know, but 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 there is the issue, and I'm going to bring this up, and then I'll. Uh, throw it back to Sarah to get her thoughts on their relationship. But there is the issue, and this is why I think of it as problematic, is there is the age difference thing. I mean, he's 17 when they meet, <laughs> and Brian is almost 30. And, you know, that does bother a lot of people, um, which I can totally see, because when I was 17, I can't imagine, you know, I mean, when I was 17, it would have been cool at 20 to date a 29 year old I think in your mind but when you're 29 I can't imagine wanting to date a 17 year old <laughs> I, I I mean I don't know if that's just me and maybe it's I don't know so I, I so that's kind of the problematic issue that I'm gonna throw out there and we'll, we'll get into that but I want to throw it back to Sarah and get sort of your thoughts on Brian and Justin together um I I find them endearing at times but then I also find them very um very complicated because they get very flippant towards each other and then just catty at times. Um, but I do like how Brian pushes Justin to be the best person he possibly can. Like you said earlier, best homosexual possible. And I think that's what he really strives for in himself. And I, I feel like he took Justin on as a little pet project Mm -hmm. a little, little pet project to see what he could do to make him the best gay boy possible possible another version of him in some capacity and in some ways he was very successful but then I also felt like he Brian took that to a whole new level where he gave up his own happiness just to make sure that he was happy which shows Brian's depth of character of how he was he would take anything on to make sure that somebody else could succeed. 
and he shows up for Justin in that way. And, um, and that was the episode where I was like, please just tell him I love you. And you know who Brian loves. It, it, it's a, it goes back and forth between uh, Brian and uh, Justin and Michael. But I, lo- I, I like their uh, playfulness, their cattiness, but also their permission they give each other to be their genuine selves in a way where they can, like, yes, I know you're going to go sleep with whoever you want in the back room, but you go home with me in, in, that, in that way. And I like how they honor each other in that space. And, um, yeah, they're, they're kind, of, kind, of, kind of awkward, but I, I do like them together when they're actually not too far into their own shit. <laughs> And it was, and even though it was brought on by a catastrophe, by the by the bombing, it was so interesting to watch Brian actually say, I love you. And then all of a sudden it was like, he said, I love you. And it's like, boom, now I can give him what I want to do, what, what he always wanted. I can give him that white picket fence. I can give him that country manner. I can be that prince and he can be my prince and we can get married and I will... You know, like you said, Sarah, he's going to give up, you know, everything that he sort of was. And I, and I don't know if that was the exact scene you were talking about, but he does that a lot with Justin, mm-hmm. um, which is very weird for him because you don't see him do that a lot. I think Michael's the only other one that he would kind of do that for. Um, but, yeah, it, it was interesting watching him all of a sudden. It's like, boom, he's like, OK, I'm going to do this because I love him so much. And in order to keep him, I've got to change who I am. And then I love that Justin doesn't let him get away with that. <laughs> He's right. like, no, no, you, you're going to go sleep with some guy at your bachelor party. <laughs> you know, you're not going to not do that because you think that's what I want, because I know who you are. You know, he's right. always. Known. Yeah, I, they, they really encourage each other to honor where the other person is. And, and that goes back to Brian's uh, dynamic of being unapologetic for who he is. And I love that he's basically taught the next generation behind him how to do that. And that's very empowering. Um, but I, it, it does come with a price. And it came down to Brian's happiness. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and um, you know, it's interesting with this kind of jumping ahead here but I don't know if we'll even get a chance to get to it but with the series finale with the last thing you see is Brian you know alone dancing alone and kind of back to who he was in the not who he was in the beginning but back to sort of where he was in the beginning as far as being alone and being Mm -hmm. by himself and I just thought that was a very interesting image Um, you know uh, Randy who plays Justin he has said that he really hopes they never get back together again. Um, he thinks it would be awful for them to be together in the end. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because he says a lot of that is because he said, you know, he, Justin was so young and he had this older man with him. And when they'd get older, they could never sustain that relationship. He said it just wouldn't work um, because of that age difference there and because so much was shaped 
so early on when your Justin was so young with this older man. Um, so I just thought that that was interesting because I know a lot of people were really upset at the, that they didn't end up together. Um, but I think it makes total sense that they didn't, even though I loved them together, it makes sense that they didn't end up together. Um, but does anybody have any other thoughts on the age difference since I know that was a big issue and very controversial with the two of them? <laughs> I, my only comment about it is that, um, when you get back into old Greek, um, warrior dynamics, they, most male warriors had young men as sex partners and that was to instill the virility of a warrior and, and, and whatnot. So I think it comes down to cultural dynamics and I think we get stuck on the whole stigma of, oh, they're underage, whatever. I, I dated a 34 year old when I was 17. I've dated a 24 year old or yeah, 24 year old when I was 16. So I've had my fair share of age dynamics and I think, I don't think it's really an age issue. I think it's a maturity issue where you're connecting with where, where the other person is at. Um, and so I, I don't think there's anything truly wrong with it. Um, I feel like they were both aware and consenting. Mm -hmm. It may be uncomfortable for other people, but, you know, everybody dates who they want and things can be... I think there's there's a certain age where it can be really controversial, of course, but 17, 18, that's that's where you're, when you're in the sex exploration stage of things. So. <laughs> I think it's interesting that um, it was just kind of matter of fact in this show. And yeah. like, had it been like a straight couple like an older man and a younger woman it would have been so controversial that's yeah mm -hmm. um i i don't know if that's true and i don't know how controversial it was for the show um like what other people thought but i just think it was interesting how it was just kind of matter of fact like they talked about it a little bit but it was like oh you're turning 18 soon so yeah mm-hmm yeah, well, I know I, when I, this was a few years ago and I was re-watching this show with someone um, and she said, you know, I really like this show, but I have a very hard time watching this relationship because it makes me very uncomfortable. Their age difference makes me very uncomfortable because yeah. she said, I feel like there, it's this older man that's taking advantage of this younger kid who's still kind of a kid. Um and so that was that was interesting because I, you know, like I said, they're my favorite all time favorite couple, but I acknowledge that I can see that. But but to me, they're almost even though Brian is older than him, they're like on the same level in a lot of respects. <laughs> so it's like they complement each other so well, um, even though I do agree that. I don't think they should be together. I, th I think it's, I think they kind of just learned from each other and grew. Um, and I think especially for Justin, I don't think he would have been happy ultimately in that relationship. And I think Brian would have had to sacrifice too much of himself, even though they both loved and respected each other. I just don't think it would have worked out in the end with what they both wanted in life. Um, but yeah, it's just, I just wanted to get, do you have any thoughts on it, Danelle, the age difference? Yeah. It I have to admit, when I first watched the show, it was a little bothersome at first because it is such a large difference. But I think 
the way that the show goes about it and the way Justin is so assertive in his like pursuit of Brian, I think it kind of relieves some of that for me because in reality, Brian was kind of like, uh, you know, no kid, you know, at first. And then he's like, okay, if this is what you want, <laughs> you know, he's not going to turn it down either. Um, because, you know, Brian doesn't turn down a hot night, right? We all know this. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just who the character is. But I think his pursuit, um, Justin's pursuit of Brian, I think, eased my mind a little bit about the the age difference. I mean, he, it was it was 90% Justin in the beginning. I mean, he was all over Brian. Um, and I think that his maturity, you know, his level of maturity, I think, too, even though he is so young and he's a kid, he has a certain emotional maturity, like you said, is that is well matched to Brian, even though Brian's so much older. So. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think if Brian was truly a predator, I think Brian would have gone after Hunter when Hunter was making all those moves on Brian and Brian would have been like, okay, yeah, I will. And that would have been, it's interesting because I don't know how old Hunter was when he first came along. I can't remember, but it's interesting watching that where that would have been so wrong and just uh, like, just icky. And it's, and I know Hunter was just like a couple years younger, I think, than Justin was when Justin was first on, but I'm not positive on that, but it's just interesting that dynamic. And I think it's because they're such different characters and I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying there, but <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been, that would have been interesting. Okay. Well, um, let's get into Michael and Brian and then Michael and Ben. So let's first start with Michael and Brian. Um, what are your thoughts on their friendship and their relationship overall, Danelle? Well, I love their friendship. I mean, obviously they're they're best friends. They're they're close. Um, they know each other's secrets. They know everything they can about each other. But there's also there's also it's codependent in a lot of ways too. Um, you know, and I I think there's a lot of dynamic there with Michael being in love with Brian the way he is for so long. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things, struggles there that they have to overcome um, in their relationship. And I think you finally see that towards the end when there's that, when they have that break for a while, you know, um, and it, that's one of the points where I think Michael just can be so, um, as much as I love Michael, he can be very self-righteous. And I think, you know, um <laughs> So um, I'm struggling to remember the exact uh, words that he used, but when they had their falling out, um, I think to, at the, in the I think it was the last season, right? When they truly had that falling out, if I remember right, um, they that when they finally come back together, I think they reach a new maturity in their relationship. I think they're able to see each other more as equals rather than Michael kind of following on Brian's heels. And kind of relying on Brian to lead the way, if you will. I mean, I always kind of see it a little bit as Michael just kind of following Brian around a little bit. And I think when he gets into his relationship with Ben, that's a step, right? Of that kind of maturity, him growing up. But then there's that when they finally have their falling out and he's on his own with Ben and raising his daughter and raising Hunter 
I think he comes to a new maturity and is able to finally, they're able to come together as equals in their friendship. And I think that's what's truly beautiful um, in the very last episode. You know, you kind of see them, okay, they're they're together, they're friends, and they're always going to be friends. Um, and the genuine love between them is, is a beautiful thing. I mean, we always need friends that are like that in our lives, that are there for us at all times. And um, yeah, I, I've always loved that part of their relationship. Yeah, so, yeah. And Michael and Ben are a great relationship. His first boyfriend, um, the uh, doctor, what was his name? Um, oh, God, I hated him. <laughs> he was uh, I did not realize, like, how abusive that relationship was until I rewatched the show. And I was like, that is just, like, classic, like, abuse almost. Like, control. And, yeah, the chiropractor had to go. Definitely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I love Ben. I think, um, but then again, I love nerdy professors. So I'm, I'm, I would, I, like, that was, that was like, that's a dream yeah, right there. Um, yeah. So those two are adorable together. I think they complement each other well. And I think they go through some ups and downs. But I mean, again, they're a little bit idealized. And I, I know that. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think they're also, I think, at that point in time, going back to the show being almost 20 years old now, um, I think the gay community was still struggling to say, hey, our relationships are here. We're valid. They're, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's part of why the show hit that so hard with Melanie and Lindsay and with Brian and, uh, I mean, not Brian, um, Ben and, and Michael. And also with their friends, right? The ultra... Um, great perfect couple of their neighbors i'm trying to remember um the, their names ben and, and michael's neighbors that pop in from time to time <laughs> they were trying oh, to sell them a house like gay boys are having babies and yeah. I, I, their neighbors are so adorable but they made me laugh because they're just like and again I think that's a little tongue-in-cheek right the show is very tongue-in-cheek sometimes and I think that's why sex is so gratuitous and you know some of the relationships are the way they are so I think they're also poking a little fun at that stereotype too of the Stepford couple right the perfect couple and I think that little the little neighbor couple who you know our children are going to this school you know like they come in and have some cheese and the perfect cheese plate and <laughs> it made me laugh but i think that's the show's way of kind of having a little fun with that too so yeah <laughs> what what are your thoughts joyce on both of those michael relationships um well i love um Michael and Ben's relationship. I think, is that who I'm supposed to be talking about? Michael and Ben and Michael and Justin, right? No, Michael and Ben and Michael and Brian. Brian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many names. Um, yeah, so I, I like Michael and Ben. I think Ben is great. I actually, it's so interesting watching this now um, versus the first time I watched it because exactly of what Danelle was just saying, how like the first time I watched it, it was like revolutionary. Like I had never seen a show like this before and it was really groundbreaking. And, um, and so now looking at it from a different context, it's really interesting to see how like these people are all growing up in this community 
And when I look at it through that context, like I'm okay with like Michael and Brian's relationship. I'm like, yeah, everybody goes through growing pains. A lot of people have codependent relationships as they're trying to figure out who they are and how they relate to other people. And like, it makes sense how they did that story. But like, as a, as a healthy, somewhat healthy adult, <laughs> I'm like, gosh, that's so like dysfunctional and codependent. And, um, but you know, that's how you learn what healthy is sometimes is by having relationships that aren't necessarily healthy and navigating through those and figuring that out. So I like the, um, what's the word not the sentiment or the like how sweet they are together they're really sweet and they have so many good memories and I really like that about Michael and Brian um and I like how they kind of figure out who they are apart from each other good and I like Ben way more than I like Michael Ben is so yeah. great. And I'm like, why are you with Michael? Sarah, what are your thoughts on those two relationships? Um, Michael and Brian, like, yeah, there's a lot of codependency going on, but I also understand and can appreciate like, um, how they kind of keep each other on this pedestal in some way where there's like this sacredness to their relationship that nobody else can have access to and only they understand and um how they um just they they understand and love each other in their own ways um but but also allow the other person to be who they are no matter how shitty they are to 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 each other sometimes like, it was very surprising. It was very surprising when um, Brian punched Michael at the party. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, that's, to me, that seems so out of character. And I think that was an indication of how far somebody that you love and trust so much can push you to the edge. And that... Michael pushed him to the edge and it was not okay. And then of course, Brian gets blamed for it, which I, I didn't agree with, but, um, but I think everybody was so used to blaming Brian for everything all the time instead of really understanding the context of like, no, that was Michael's being an asshole, you know? <laughs> um, but they have these intense moments, but they also come back like nothing happened um and so i can appreciate that part uh and i'm with joyce on the whole um ben and michael thing like how how did you score him you know you're with a college professor (laughs) he's a 12 year old boy and like (laughs) i don't i I don't know i think i that's probably just one of the ways they wanted to portray the different dynamics of being gay man in a relationship and, and validating their experience as a couple and that they are a couple, which, you know, um, I, I, but I also think that, um, it's very easy to see 
the face of a relationship and make assumptions about what it is versus what it really is to the couple themselves and how they show up for each other and how they are engaging and supportive and and we, we don't know what happens behind closed doors and whatever works works and um i i i like that they they do create a balance for each other like there's a little bit of playfulness on and and boyishness on Michael's side, but there's also the um, adult, um, serious, intellectual dynamic of Ben that they kind of balance each other out. Yeah, I, uh, Michael and Brian is an interesting relationship because I think uh, it can be very annoying to watch at times. <laughs> um, because you know, there's so much desperation from Michael's side of that relationship. And you just, it just drives you nuts. Like, I'm like, God, it must be so hard to be in a relationship with Michael because you're competing with Brian. Yeah. You're competing with Brian really. Um, And I think Ben is the only one that could really kind of break through that Mm -hmm. in a lot of respects. Um, But yeah, Michael and Brian, there was always, when this show was first on, there were a lot of people that wanted Michael and Brian to end up together. And, you know, it was like either people wanted Brian with Justin or Brian with Michael. And there were a lot of people that wanted that. And I guess in the UK version, and I'm sorry if I'm incorrect on this, but I think in the UK version, they actually do end up together. Um, And I just, I think that would have been so wrong on so many levels. And yes, I think that's Michael's ultimate (laughs) is to be with Brian. But I think eventually he lets that go when he finds Ben. But I think it takes some time. I think when he's first with Ben, he hasn't completely let that go. I mean, you know, it takes some time for him to actually let that go, especially when he finds out that Ben and Brian had sex. I mean, I think that was really, really hard for Michael. Um, But Michael and Ben, like I said, are my second favorite couple. Um, And I just think, I think Ben is such, such a unique character and was such a great addition to the show. And I, I, I just loved him. He was just, he was so, um, he struggled so much, you know, of course, with his, with his illness, but he struggled, um, I think, to, as an artist and as a writer, and he even struggled with his own insecurities. You saw that with his writing when he wrote a second book. Um, and he was just, he was such a great dad to Hunter, and watching that relationship was so awesome, and the way he he wanted to save Hunter. He was the first one, you know, out of the two of them that really wanted to take Hunter on. Michael didn't really want to at first, but Ben was just like, yeah, we got to save this kid. And he was just, he was just so great. I loved the actor. Um, I thought their chemistry was really good. It was a really healthy relationship. I thought Um, they struggled. They had ups and downs. They had things that didn't always go right, but I thought it was a healthy relationship. I didn't necessarily think Ben could do better. I I mean, I thought they were really good together. Um, And I think at times Ben was always not that great to Michael. There were a couple occasions when he, when he wasn't, you know, Um, but they just, they just, they were a real healthy relationship. I think they were probably honestly the healthiest relationship on the show. That's the way I viewed it. Um, And I, I just thought they were really great and wonderful together. Let's skip over Ted and Emmett a little bit since we kind of touched on them when we talked about them individually. So we kind of talked about their relationship unless anybody's dying to talk about when they were briefly a couple, which I thought yeah. was 
Okay. No. Okay. So let's skip into Deb because we have to talk about Deb. Danelle, what are your thoughts on Deb? Oh, I love Deb. Um, she is like the epitome of the P-Flag mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like the, the poster child. Um, and I love that about her. Um, I think her enthusiasm, her support and love, you know, just unconditional love of all of the the young people in her life, you know, like she's the mom to everyone and um, she gives so much and she doesn't know when to stop. Um, and I always think that's really interesting. And I was so happy that she kind of gets her own life, you know, <laughs> towards the end, um, you know, and, and her relationship with Horvath. Um, but I think she's just, she was, I think she's a kind of an icon for a lot of young gay kids that I knew who were coming out at the time um, you know, that didn't have the parents that were supportive, you know, they, they looked to somebody like that and, and were so grateful that there was a, a character that they could look up to and say, Hey, look at this mom. Um, she, she loves unconditionally and wholeheartedly and is loud and proud about it. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of reminds me of my best friend's mom. You know, I remember in our first, uh, the first part parade, I mar marched with him to support him. His mom had a sign that said, I love my gay son you know, and um, just marching with them was a lot of fun. And um, just seeing her un undying support for her son um, was always a, a an inspiration. And I think Debbie's a big inspiration. She's so much fun. I mean, what a great actress, too. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love Deb. She's a little over the top sometimes, but I think that was so fun about her, you know. Yeah. So and Emmett's relationship is always fun and her and Vic, you know, her relationship with her brother. And I know we'll probably talk about that a little bit too. And um, her support for Vic and how she was there for him through everything. She was a little harsh on him, but, you know, um, at some points, but just that was really um, an, an intense part of the series for me was, was uh, Vic's passing and, and how Deb took that. And, um, you know, the, the, how sad it was um, when they were fighting, you know, and they're both so stubborn. <laughs> so, um, and of course her relationship with Michael, her always smacking him upside the head is always. <laughs> and I love how Sparks talking about it when you and I yeah. uh, talked about that when we watched that and how Sparks said his head still hurts, you know, like. <laughs> And how he had to talk her into doing it at first. Yes. She was so like, no, I'm not going to hit you. And he's like, no, just do it. Go do it. Then I'll really feel like you're my mom. Do it. Do it. Do it. Really. And, just, and then he's like, and then once she did it, it was like all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she was great. She was an absolutely great character. I always loved Deb. And Joyce, what are your thoughts on Deb? I just love how passionate she is and how she sees where everyone is at and and connects with them like um when michael tells justin that he should just get out of everyone's life and and she says to him like he didn't speak for the rest of us and we want you here um i just thought that was really cool that she did that and I I like how she like tries to get everybody to vote and she won't feed them until they go vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like she she's 
she's supporting her son, but really I think the foundation of it is she supports everybody and she supports the cause and she supports everyone being happy and healthy. And um, she does it with charm and wit and a little bit of feistiness and she's great. Yeah. And Sarah? I I love Deb. She is one of my favorite characters. She is so colorful and vibrant and like if there is anybody that shows up consistently, it's her. And I love her t-shirts that she wears. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My favorite one is I love my penis. <laughs> <laughs> like she is unapologetic about who she is and unapologetic about anybody she loves and she's so present and so passionate and I think one of the things that I I was really like you're the best person in the world ever was when they were coming back from Canada and she was like they can't get married. I'm not going to get married. You should just, just if it's good, good enough for this person, it's good enough for you. And she was, she doesn't take any shit. She doesn't put up with shit and she will fight. She, she's a fighter and she does everything fiercely. And I, I just, I love her character so much. And I want to go there and I want to go like order food and I want, I cannot tell you how many times I wanted a lemon bar. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. You can't have a lemon bar until you vote. You can't. Where's our diner? Where's our Liberty diner, right? You know, well, when I was growing up in Utah, it was, it was the gay Denny's in Salt Lake City. So kind of, kind of the same environment, but we didn't have a dad. So <laughs> But yeah, I, I I love her character. She she really is the mom of the whole community, and I love that she sees everybody for who they are and where they're at. And she even loves Brian, even though he's being an asshole at times. She knows that he needs that hard mothering and nurturing that she gives him. But she sees them for who they are, and she accepts them no matter what. And that is what a true mom is. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. And Sharon Gless is a goddess. She's so great. She's so wonderful in that role. And you can tell that must have been a lot of fun to play, Deb. Uh, and to be so free. Um, and I loved that, like you said, Danelle, that she sort of gets her own life in the end and she finds love because I think so much of her life was devoted to not just Michael, but to all these people and she was like a surrogate mother to so many people and so it was nice to see her get her own life and have her own love story it was really awesome to see and watch um and watch her struggle with that with struggle with allowing herself that happiness and allowing herself to have that relationship uh, was very interesting and um yeah she's so funny she's so witty she's so quick with the words and I love her use of language and I love her shirts and her pens and everything <laughs> like that. And she's, she's just so awesome. She's so amazing. And I, my favorite scenes with her are actually with Brian because I love their dynamic and she calls mm -hmm. 
on things in ways that other people don't. And some of my favorite scenes with them is is one of them where, um, you know, she says, you know, you love Justin. She's basically telling him, you love Justin. Somehow this guy just wormed his way in and just you love him. Um, and that's what's going on here. And that's why you're pushing him away. And that's why you're being a jerk. And that's why all this stuff. And so she calls him on that. And my other favorite scene is when they get stoned together after Brian gets fired. I think that scene is so great because I, I don't know. They just played so well together. I think maybe it was the actors together or something, but they just, their scenes were just so interesting to watch. Um, and just watching her just reminiscing about, you know, when she loved Jefferson Airplane and all this stuff. And, you know, it was just, it was, I, I loved that. It was so great. And I think Brian uh, could be a little bit different with Deb than he could with other people. I think Deb was like his mom and he never had a mom. And really, I mean, his mom was a total bitch. So it was great that he got to have that with Deb. And she just, in general, was just an amazing, amazing woman who everybody wants as their mom, I think, in right. a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> I think she's just, she's so great. She's so great to watch, so yeah. Um, well, I know that soon Danelle has to go, so before we close out, I really wanted to, I mean, we got a little bit into the criticism, um, so I'm glad we got a little bit into that. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about why it's so popular among women, um, there's so much more we could cover with this show. We're going to have to do a second episode on it because there's so much that we didn't really touch on. But I wanted to close out with just being able to talk about sort of the, the lasting impact um, of the show and how maybe it changed the landscape um, of entertainment or did it change it? Um, what is ever, What are everybody's thoughts on that? Um, Danelle, do you have any thoughts on that, of the lasting impact of the show? Sure. Um, well, I mean, the show is definitely groundbreaking. Um, it absolutely shattered um, a lot of misconceptions, I think, that were out there. And it was um, absolutely groundbreaking television. Um, and I think it was shocking for a lot of people. Um, they'd never seen anything like it. Um, you know, and, and also the criticisms that we were talking about. I mean, the lack of representation of people of color, um, the, and you, you touched on it, the, the lack of diversity within the um, community itself, you know, um, is disappointing. But again, we have to look at the context of the time too, right? Um, and I think things have changed. If the show would be done now, I think we would see a lot better, wider representation of the community, um, which is definitely important. But to me, the, the show is always going to be groundbreaking. Um, it's still shocking. It's still fun to watch. It's still, um, you know, eye-opening, educational in a lot of ways, um, and also just good entertainment. I mean, you know, we have to take it at that value, too. It is just television. Um, but at the same time, those things are important, too, especially when you're talking about um, representation of communities that are oppressed and, and don't have the voice that they should. So I'm just excited that um, I got to be a part of it and you guys, uh, you know, had me on and, and to talk about it as, um, you know, an ally to the community. And um, I just fell in love with the show and the characters. And like I said, I'd hang out with any of them, <laughs> you know? Um, I want to go dance in a Babylon and, and hang out at the diner with them all and go have a drink at Woody's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
I love the show and I think it's going to, it has aged well, I think in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously we talked about the criticisms, but for the most part, I think it's rare for a show that's almost 20 years old that you can go back and watch it and still see it fresh. And I, and it feels fresh. I mean, it feels nostalgic in some ways, but it still feels fresh in some ways. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you know, the, as far as the appeal to women, I mean, the guys were beautiful. I mean, for me, like that's why <laughs> I started watching the show. I mean, I'm not and actors were amazing and it was well written and well done and and a lot of fun and you know um gail harold was just gorgeous to watch like i said sex on legs (laughs) (laughs) my friends used to make fun of me because we get together and watch it and they would just laugh at me because i would just be drooling the whole time like oh my god man is so beautiful I mean, I was just saying my best friend, I texted him when I started rewatching and I'm like, I forgot how beautiful he is. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, honey, I know. (laughs) That's funny. Um, (laughs) uh, Joyce, what are your thoughts on the lasting impact and and anything else you want to add about about the show? Um, Yeah, I definitely agree. It's you can watch it now and it still feels new and fun and interesting and the characters are still interesting and you can get invested in what's going to happen to them and who they are and um, it's really been cool to watch it again um, because it's so different seeing it now in the context of today where so much of the dialogue has changed so much i mean it's interesting because like our 12 year old daughter when she started school at the beginning of the year one of her friends asked her how do you identify and she was like well i identify as a cat (laughs) that was her answer Um, but it was just amazing to me that she was having those conversations which never would have happened when i was in sixth grade you know and so it just was an example to me of how much the dialogue has changed, how much people are aware. Um, and it's because of shows like this. I totally believe it's because of shows like this and it still feels fun and like liberating to watch it. And I definitely had the experience of growing up in the gay community, not identified in any particular way, but probably more as straight And it was just normal to me. Like I kind of had the opposite experience of as Sarah had, where it was like, I mean, thankfully I feel very, very grateful that like my friends were very open and accepting. My family was very open and accepting and it was almost a non-issue. And so like when I came out in quotes to my family and friends, like it was it was no thing at all. Like it didn't even, I didn't even understand the significance of that and the importance of that and how much people struggle with it. Um, really until I started talking to other people that had such a difficult time with their friends and family with it. Um, and so this show just makes me feel at home in a way because I grew up in gay clubs and we went out dancing and it feels like community and it feels like heart and like going to pride is something that we always did. And it's like, it's just such a wonderful feeling to watch 
the show and remember all of those things. Um, so I'm just really grateful for it. And even though there is a lot of criticisms, um, really for what it was and what it still is, I, I just love it. I think it's wonderful. And Sarah? I really like how this, this whole entire series and that can parallel this series with the L word. And I know we're going to talk about that another time, but both of them have really conveyed the importance of having a community and being okay with who you are. And I think this, this series is definitely going to be one of those series where you'll always look at it and see the evolution of the gay community and how it has changed and evolved. And we have so much history and, like I said earlier in the podcast, how we, like Justin, doesn't understand how we stand on the shoulders of giants. This is one of those pivotal series that I think is one of those giants that we will stand on and be like, oh my God, I have no idea. I had no idea that it used to be like this. And now it's becoming, I don't want to say normalized, but more accepted as a non-issue when it comes to being gay or lesbian and I'm excited that this had this was so um exuberant and so dynamic that it portrayed a picture of the complexity of being a gay man and I think it's interesting I want to I want to touch on how it was in in Philadelphia yeah, forget the movie with Tom Hanks where the AIDS epidemic when he was experiencing that movie. Philadelphia. It was that's also one of those pivotal movies that that conveyed the growth and dynamics of being a gay man and what that looked like. So there you have shoulder upon shoulder upon shoulder. And so I think it's it's really cool seeing the history of the gay community and how it's evolved and how impactful this series probably has been on so many um, people in the gay community, a queer community, to help them become who the person they want to be. And I mean, I remember watching the puppy episode of The Ellen Show and long, long time ago in the early 90s, and it was iconic and pivotal for me just knowing that there was people out there that identified the same way it gave me permission to be who I was and to honor the path that I wanted to take no matter what world or environment I was in and that's what I yeah that's what I love about these shows that are groundbreaking and create access to something new and exciting for people yeah yeah and before i get into my final thoughts danelle do you have to go do you want to say your goodbyes before i get into my final thoughts yeah sure okay um if you want do you want to tell everybody where they can find you if you want to be found you don't have to but um yeah so you can find me i'm on instagram and twitter um so you can find me under my name uh draven pearl on Twitter and in Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danelle. All right. Much love, everybody. Bye. Much love. After this, we should all go to tracks and eat lemon bars. Hey, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you again, Danelle. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. And I'll just talk about just, um, you know, like I've said, this is my all-time favorite show. Um, I like you, Joyce, you, we and I, we grew up like the same way. So it was, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like, you know, I mean, I grew up, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And I think it's because of the mothers we had. Um, yeah. and I know my mom served as a surrogate mom <laughs> to a lot of our friends when we were growing up, a lot of our friends in high school. Um, cause my mom never judged anyone ever, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so she took in all these people that were judged because they were goth, they were goth or anything like that, or they, they were gay <laughs> or anything. She, she was just like, whatever. I'm going to, I mean, I remember so many times we'd have guys over staying over and we'd wake up and they'd be in the kitchen with my mom chatting. So it was like, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the way we grew up. So, and I'm, and I think we're very lucky for that. And I feel very blessed for having that, especially because my mom didn't really come from a family that was like that. Yeah. So I think that's a blessing. I think she took a lot of that sixties stuff and, 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 you know, brought it into her relationship. Yeah. So I think that that was a blessing. Um, I think I just want to read really quickly this quote from Gail Harold that just kind of talks about, I think part of the reason that maybe women liked the show, um, part of the things that I, one of the things that I think the show did that was so great and groundbreaking. Um, and he said, I think it's good that men are being objectified because since forever women have been objectified, we're flipping the coin yeah. because things have been lopsided on TV and film for so long. Another good point to the show is that it portrays men's sensuality. They're not just all about sex and only sex. So I just wanted to make sure to get that quote in there because I think that quote is very good. I think that that was the thing is you didn't see, yeah, you didn't see a camera angle that was like on a man that way before. You always saw it with a woman, but you never saw the camera yeah, going yeah. slowly panning up a man's body like that. I mean, it's just, it was, that was revolutionary too. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I agree. You, you see nearly naked women all the time on TV, mm-hmm. but God forbid men show their butt. Right. Yeah. Shirt, their shirt off. Oh, I'm so modest. No. Yeah. We spend so much time objectifying women for sure. And if we're going to, we're going to have cheerleaders for sports teams, we might as well have men on the cheerleading teams too, because I'm sure girls want to see the boys too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's one thing that I thought was so great about it. And that's why as a woman, I, I loved watching it and, it was, and it was a bonding experience. I, I loved watching it with you, Joyce. It was, yes. it, it holds so many great memories of having yes. those queer as folk nights. <laughs> and then when you and I were roommates during the fourth season and, <laughs> or, or third, it was either the third or fourth. I think it was the fourth season. No, it was third. It was third. I think it was third. And it, so that was just so great too. It was just, it just holds so many wonderful memories. And yes, there's a, there's a lot you can critique about it. Um, but I think, like they said on the, on the live stream that I watched a few weeks ago, they said, you know, yes, if we were around today, I would hope we would be more diverse and we'd have more people of color and we'd have more people in the community. But they said, you have no idea what a struggle it was to get this show on. People did not want this show. I mean, actors were told, actors were told, do not, don't you dare audition for this show. I know Hal Sparks said, you know, he fired his agent because his agent said, you are, you can't do this show. It's going to ruin your career. You cannot go in. He's he's like, here's this script, but I don't want you to audition for this. And so he later ended up firing his agent because he wanted to audition for it and he got the part. But it was, you know, it's, it's, nobody wanted their, nobody would let their clients go out for this, you know, and crazy. Yeah. And some of the actors on there, you know, like the actor who played Ben, he didn't come out until 
publicly until a little bit after he did the show. And so I know it meant a lot to them personally and a lot to, you know, I've heard mm -hmm. a lot of men, a lot of gay men say that when the show was on, they would hide the DVDs or the, or the videotapes um, and didn't want anyone to know they were watching it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think one of them was actually um, the I, Ira on um, keep it. I think he was one of the people that said that story. I can't remember, but yeah, it's, it's just, I just think it, it changed a lot. It changed a lot of the scenery. And yes, there's still, we still have more room to grow. Um, especially I think when it comes to people of color representation um, within that community. And I think there is some changes, like we're gonna talk about Pose in a couple of weeks. And I think that's a, that's a big game changer in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, just, I just adore this show a lot, you know, despite any, any problems with it, I think it's just a wonderful, amazing show. Okay, yeah, well. I agree. Yeah. I do have to say one of my favorite things about the show is that when they're in the back room at Babylon, they always say hi to somebody. <laughs> yes, yes. Hi, Todd. It's always Todd. It's always Todd. Yes, yes. And there is trivia on that. I think there's only one season where it doesn't happen, but every season in the season opener, someone goes back there and says hi to Todd. <laughs> Todd, maybe he was a really good supporting actor. I don't know. <laughs> it would be interesting to actually look at those episodes and see if it's always the same guy. It is always the same. It is. <laughs> so yeah, it's always him. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's he's all friend. happy all the time, too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, seriously, we could, we'll have to do another show on Queer as Folk at some time too, at some, but at some point, especially because there's a lot of things that we didn't get to talk about, about some of the behind the scenes stuff. So, you know, that's really interesting and some of the impact they had on some of the people that would be the dancers at uh, Babylon. So, but we didn't get a chance to get that, but we will at some point. Um, but anyway, let's go around the room and have everybody close out with just saying where they can be found. If you want to be found, Joyce, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> but Joyce, so do, you, well. <laughs> do you want to remain anonymous? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's what I had a feeling. But thank you. You can't find me. I'm mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a few guests that are like that. So, <laughs> um, Sarah, where can they yeah, find you? Yeah, you? you can find me on Facebook, Sarah Alder at on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nothing awesome. extravagant. Um, I'm on Instagram once every year. So it's usually around pride. So <laughs> that's pretty much it. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, and this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April beauty, the E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. Um, and if you have any feedback, any memories about queers folk, anything else you want to add, feel free to email the show at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And I also, I throw this out every week during this month. Um, we do still have some room on our, the L word show and on queer baiting, which is, we're going to be recording those next weekend. So we do have room on those. And we do have a couple of spots on Pose um, and then on Sense 8 as well. So if you are, <laughs> okay, you can be on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so if, if anyone's interested in being on those and possibly being on one of those, um, feel free to reach out to the show via Facebook, email, 
whatever um, is great. And then also, I just want to throw out there, if you can, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That stuff helps us get found. Um, and like I said, next week we are going to be doing the L word and queer baiting, and Sarah will be returning for those. So Sarah is going to be on almost every episode for the rest of the month. There's just one. There's just Yay, one that she's not. Because that was already full. But uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then we're going to have a, a few other people that haven't ever been on the show before too. So I'm excited about that and hoping that Joyce is going to be returning on some episodes too. So so until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter.